Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Views, the general topic podcast that takes a topic each week and as the name suggests, cast views. This week's guest is familiar voice and friend of the show. It's Justin from the Movie Wire. Hi, Justin. Hey, Dan. Again, I've missed you. Thanks for having me. I can't go too many episodes without having you on. I, I missed you. So like I said, you're, you're kind of like my honorary guest host at the moment. <laughs> How's things? Uh, things are good. I mean... Today, 4th of July for us, so depending on when this episode lands, today is a holiday for us. Yeah, happy, happy holiday. No, this is going to go out a few weeks uh, a few weeks later. Yeah, so if uh, people are listening to it when it does go out, it is an international holiday then, okay? So, <laughs> so make sure you go to work if it's a day you go to work, yeah. So yeah, so that, I'm good. I, um, well, I, I, I messaged you guys in the uh, the chat we've got going. I'm coming off a week of having had food poisoning, so uh, it wasn't a particularly fun week. But do, do you know the irony about it was? So the episode would have aired a couple of weeks ago, but it happened two or three days after recording an episode with Leo on medical medical stuff. <laughs> so, of course, of yeah, course. So, yeah, so three days after talking about um, that, I ended up in our accident and emergency local one. And then all I was thinking was, of all the episodes I've done with you, I'm glad that there was no sort of coincidental thing that happened following any of those, because that could be a whole world of trouble there. So, <laughs> Well, it's like when I get a guest on the Talking Smack podcast, Josh always has something happen to him before I come on. So I always get Alex, which I love Alex, but I'm glad you didn't follow the same tradition because I'd be here by myself, I feel. <laughs> I was going to say that'd be, that'd be pretty bad, actually. I might try next time because I've got another episode lined up for you. Uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Right, so before we get stuck into the show, let's hear from some friends of the show. Do you know what? I've decided I'm going to play your trailer. And you are a friend of the show, so sit back and listen to yourself for 30 seconds. Love it. In a world with so many movies to choose from, one man has created the go-to podcast for reviews of hot and trending movies so you know what's worth your time. The Movie Wire Podcast with host Justin Henson. Hear Justin's movie verdict wherever you listen to podcasts. Tune in to The Movie Wire today. We're back, so thank you for providing that trailer. God, that guy's voice is just utterly sexy. I mean, I think everybody should listen to that guy. Well, keep on listening to the show and you will. Right, so we are going to talk about unusual music acts and artists aren't we so i think when i when i messaged you i'd had this idea and i'll tell you why the idea hit me i was re-listening to an old radio show and they discussed a particular act that i'm going to talk about and i'd completely forgotten it until i re-listened to it a, a couple of weeks ago now bear in mind this show was from 2016 so it's a seven-year-old radio show i was listening to and then when i heard that i thought you know what there's probably enough scope to make an episode out of it. And when I told you about it, you just jumped on it, didn't you? So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, unusual music, musical acts. And, and that could be unusual in any sense of the word, I guess, both in terms of music and personnel. I'll hold off and tell you what I've got for the moment because I always let the guests go first, unless it's my mate Dan who's still upset with me because uh, in the last episode I uh, demanded I go first. What do you think about this subject as a whole, though? I jumped on this because there is a lot of interesting things that can go off on this. I mean, 
I was going down the rabbit hole from the for this last week from, you know, uh, David Hasselhoff from um, <laughs> William Hung. There's a lot and I've done a lot of music listening. And I have to say, I think I've added about 20 albums to my uh, Apple library since then. Um, and there is some very, very unique bands and musicians out there that I personally have never heard of. So I love it when you come with a topic and I take something away from it because some of the music I listen to is so ridiculous that it's absolutely entertaining and almost so bad it's good. And that's kind of what I brought to the table uh, this week. It's interesting because when I started researching my first one, I realized that we probably could have done an episode just on on them alone. And mm. yeah, the more I dug into it, the more I realized that there were specific genres of this type of music. And it was crossing into to something I hadn't even heard of. One of my favorite artists of all time thought they were his favorite band. And and, and we'll go into it. But yeah, absolutely. It's um it's one of those topics where at first I thought, oh, it might be something fun or or it's got a fun name, you know, unusual musical acts. But yeah, once you start peeling those layers away, there's a lot of interesting facts and yeah, a lot of learning. Yeah, there really is. And I think I'm saving the good one for last because, you know, I can't go an episode without something juicy for you. And I always I think worry I'm, about you. <laughs> and I plan on serenading you by the end of this show, just so you know. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> the, the Tease, tease. All right, we'll tell you what, I've only got a couple anyway. Uh, so do you want to start with your first one? Yeah. So this first one, when I looked up this musician's name and I pressed play on the first track, which uh, was These Boots Are Made For Walking, I spit out my beer because you know how giggly I am when I uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I get have my beer. Uh, heard this artist is Miss Miller. Have you heard of Miss Miller, Dan? No, I'm going to guess I haven't heard of probably the majority of what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> So it's Elva Ruby Miller. Um, so in 1966, it was during Vietnam, she had this unique voice. And I almost want you to listen to her before I go into it to get concept. But she was known for going off tempo on a lot of these known songs from the Beatles to Elvis to a lot of these uh, known songs. And she would sing it her way. She would never follow the beat. The beat would always be the traditional beat we would get from the original material. But it is like a church lady singing in her own way. Even at some points, the band would finish before she does, and she would still go. But she went off of the so bad it's good. And I have to say, before I go into depth on this one, is I shut it off. And I was ready to look up somebody else after about 10 seconds of listening to this song. But then I just got hooked on it. I just started going down the album and I absolutely love Miss Miller. Um, it's and don't get me wrong. It's so bad. It is good. But here's the deal. So in 1967, she came out with her first album and this was unique at this time because this was a really strong musical era. And you have this 50, 60 year old uh, woman come out and sing these songs just off key, out of tune, out of tempo. And within her first album, she uh, got top 35 on the U.S. charts. Wow. After that, the next album 
she kind of embraced that kind of humor. It was almost like an Andy Kaufman kind of humor to just kind of play the public. The next album was called Will Success Spoil Mrs. Miller? So, and she went on to another set of covers. She sadly passed away um, in 1997, but her albums are still going. From 2000, she uh, uh, came out with an album to just 2020, she came out with a Christmas album. So a lot of her stuff is still well known to the point of what I like to relate it to. Are you familiar with William Hung from over here? The name rings a bell, yeah. So he was like our generation's uh, Miss Miller. He auditioned on American Idol in 2004, and okay. he sang She Bangs. And obviously he didn't go through because he was so bad, but he actually ended up coming out with an album in the same aspect. So bad, it's good. And he came out with three albums. So it's a lot of that unique vocals where you have a lot of these artists that typically may not have a true talent per se, but you can sell the fun factors there. And it goes to that formula. If you have fun with what you're doing, the listener, the viewer, they're going to have fun as well. And Miss Miller is a pure prime example of that and she retired shortly after i think it was her third album when her album started to get a little dry and she went off on her own away from production and that's when the album started to take a hit so she didn't have enough promotion she didn't have uh the studios behind her so there's not a lot of well-known uh backing behind her last fully released album i would say before her passing but miss miller if you haven't taken a listen to this fantastic, horribly, this horrible uh, musician, but good musician, take a listen. Her album is available on Apple Music as well. Yeah, and, and I think good points say, I'm probably not going to put music in here because I still don't know. I haven't looked up the, the legalities of musical excerpts, but what I will do, I know on mine anyway, there's videos on YouTube, so I'll link with the episode, I'll put some links to to the YouTube videos. Um, so people can listen to them. But so, sorry, did you say that she was somebody you did know or you found through this topic? I went down the rabbit hole. So I found okay, her. Yeah. I was so deep in the rabbit hole. I don't know how I found her, but it was an interesting name. And I saw the album cover of just this sweet old lady, this church lady in a long, like floral dress. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And it was irresistible. Like, it's almost indescribable on how she sings. She does it her way. And even when we go into some interviews that back in the 60s, 70s, she makes it intended. It's not meant to be funny. She just wants to sing. It's going to be, a, it's going to be her way and her terms. She sings because it brings her joy. And the album just radiates that um, when it comes to just listening. Each song... She she doesn't change her style whatsoever. It's the same style, and no matter what genre the music is or what genre the song is, she will be consistent. She just straight sings it like she's singing in the shower. But you said it's, it's her way, so it's not necessarily the way you would recognize the song to be, uh, what's the word, Usu usually sung. Yeah. Uh, mind you, when you listen, any song, no matter what it is on her album, it will be very hard not to let out a chuckle within the first five seconds of hearing the vocals. It is impossible. 
every song that came out when I was listening to the album, every single song, I let out a chuckle. But as the song progresses, that chuckle of just pure humor at the artist turned into more of just love. It turned into a lot of just the fun factor. And I really did appreciate what she was doing because I was having fun with her. It reminded me, and I'm going to give you this visual, Dan, of me singing in the shower. In no way, shape, or form am I a good singer whatsoever, but I have fun singing in the shower. This is what it reminded me of just having that mere aspect of fun. Only she got paid for it. Nobody's going to pay me a dime. Now I'm going to mark this episode as explicit because all all the listeners are now imagining you singing in the shower. Um, all of you are welcome. You raise a good point, though, in the sense of seeing someone just having great enjoyment from singing or doing anything. Yeah, once you get over the initial potential awkwardness of maybe how it sounds or how they look, you kind of you've got to admire them because they're doing what they want to do. I'm not, I'm not out there putting myself out there. Well, with the podcast, I am, but I'm not out there on stage. You know, back in the day, I fancied myself as potentially being a singer or getting into amateur dramatics. Didn't do that. And, you know, we see over here anyway, the, I, I haven't watched it for years. I only watched the first couple of seasons, but like the X Factor, the Pop mm. Idol, all these shows, Britain's Got Talent. The first few episodes are always about laughing at the, the the weird, you know, the, the people that can't sing. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Some aren't great singers. Some aren't conventionally looking, but they're, they're doing it. And you're yeah. sitting in the audience laughing, you know, and, and yeah, it's like you said, I don't know if you remember the Susan Boyle. I know it's kind of slightly yes. different topic, but we, my my wife, she loves watching that audition because she loves the song and she yeah. loves Susan's voice. But it's that fact that she comes out and you know the producers have done it intentionally and everyone's laughing at her until she starts singing and they shut up damn sharpish. Yeah, and those, I, I love those shows um, because you're absolutely right. Um, it's that judgmental factor of it um, that's just the human nature. And you take shows like Britain's Got Talent or X Factor or America's Got Talent and America's whatever it may be. Um, but you have all these talents and you take ones like American Idol or X Factor compared to Britain or America's Got Talent. Those talent shows are there for those that show joy in what they do. There's a difference between rock star and superstar, right? You have those strong performers where in American Idol or X Factor, you're sitting on stage and you're singing based on a voice. You're not performing. You can't see that joy. You're there to do a solo uh, act. But you go to the talent competition and you really show exactly the joy that you have from what you're performing. And that's where you have the better shot because you're getting that audience reaction. You're getting that audience feedback. You don't get that with the vocal shows because you're basing it off of the audience reaction. And if you go up on stage or if you go on a recording and you show you're having fun, that's where people are going to really care and that's what's really going to matter to the public. And I think another important thing I want to say actually is, and certainly not in the one you've said and, and certainly not in the ones I'm going to bring about, this isn't to say, you know, when we say unusual, it's not to laugh at these acts. It's just to say that they defy what, convention you know what we define normally as a as a standard conventionally defined music act right so this isn't yeah. to, to make light or, or, to, or to make fun 
and before I move on to mine, because you know we we talk about because mine they do sound unconventional, but look at some modern famous artists as well. Um, well, I say modern, then I'm going to go back like thirty years. The Crash Test Dummies, right? I defy anyone almost now when you first hear like you know, mm, <laughs> it sounds unusual. His voice is so deep and the way he sings, but once you get into it, once you listen to the track, I mean. That album, I can't remember, is it God Shuffled His Feet? Awesome album. But there's that, his voice initially was just so not of the ordinary sound compared to the boy bands and the girl bands and the manufactured pop things. It was just something different. And for the life of me, my memories sort of desert me. But there, there's a history. I mean, we even go back further, the Bee Gees. You know, everyone initially, yeah. when you first hear a song, the, the high voice. But they're, they're great singers and songs. And it's just sometimes it just takes that edge of being different is possibly what gets people noticed yeah and you even look even at the classic bands like four seasons you have that high-pitched tone that was unique at that time and a lot of these artists to your point it's not necessarily a judgmental thing but it's the fact that they should be almost an inspiration of having uh the bravery to show that uniqueness to the world and i know i joke about miss miller and kind of doing it her way and i laughed in the beginning of it but these are the people that do something that a lot of us cannot imagine getting up and doing, sober at least. Yeah. Oh, and another one, sorry, that has come to me, Shakira. Again, not saying she's, mm. not, she's not a bad singer at all. There's a kind of a quality to her voice, isn't there, that when you first hear it, it sounded so different. Okay, I'm going to go on to mine. Now, mine, there's quite a bit here, so happy for you to jump in at any point to break this up. And there's a little bit about the background that's a little distressing, I wanted to talk about this because when I say they are unusual in terms of when you hear the music, but the story behind how they formed and then kind of what's happened since is, I think deserves to be heard because I think they've had quite, um, again, you can look at them and uh, what's the word, just discard them as an afterthought, but it's the, the shags. So were they one that you knew about? You mentioned, and I've heard of them, but I didn't know the depth of them. Um, until we started uh, getting into the topic. The Shags were basically, they, they were formed in 1965, so we're going back some time, and they were mainly three sisters. So there was Dorothy, or Dot, Betty, and Helen, a Wigan from the town of Fremont in New Hampshire. They, uh, and, sorry, and they were sometimes joined, so if you see, read about them, they, they had a younger sister as well, Rachel, who sometimes joined them. So the odd bit about them is that they had no musical experience they had no musical desire they were forced to be a band by their dad now he apparently was quite a stern chap didn't allow them to have social lives no friends boyfriends concerts so they very rare i think they knew very little of music in general because betty said in, a, in an interview that the girls growing up missed everything so she fantasized about a car and leaving home and like i said you know just the, the serious note is that some accounts afterwards indicated that potentially he did uh, or they did suffer some abuse at the hands of the fathers so I think why I want to mention that is because it shows that they were growing up in a really restrictive household now when he was young uh, when the father was young his mother read his palm and made three predictions one is that he would marry a strawberry blonde woman two that I think he would have two sons after his mother died and three, he would have daughters who would form a popular band. Now, like I said, I hope I've got that right. 
the, um, the prediction. Now, what happened, basically, the first two proved accurate. So as soon as he saw that, he then made it his mission to make his daughters become a successful pop band. He thought, right, the first two predictions of my, you know, my mother had come true. I'm going to make this, um, make this happen. What he then did is basically pulled them out of school, the, the daughters, bought them instruments. And I think he did arrange for them to receive music and vocal lessons, but ultimately because of the way he was, he just put them in a room and said, right, you are going to, going to play music. So they were called the Shags after the, the hairstyle, which was popular at the time. And yeah, he then scheduled their day with, to, to the, you know, the nth degree, including exercise and music. And, and so because of that, they didn't enjoy playing the music. So in fact, sometimes what they did do was they would sneak out and leave their instruments in a haphazard manner to make it look like they had been practicing. So yeah, they performed their first show and they were met with mockery. They carried on performing some shows. The shows attracted up to 100 adolescents who would heckle and throw drunk at them. Uh, Rumours spread about the father and Dot and Rachel, who attended high school, were then started to be bullied because of that. Now, ultimately, they only did one album called Philosophy of the World. And that was recorded in one day. Now, have you heard of, have you heard any of the music? I have. Um, when you brought it up, I kind of did listen to this, some of their music. It's interesting, uh, to say the least. You could almost tell to a point, um, there's a certain uncomfort to their performance. It's almost a little awkward when you're watching or even listening uh, to their performances. So music, you really contribute to a lot of built-up emotion or feelings and in a way you can really kind of sense that in in their music yeah and what gets me about that is considering they had no real exposure to music the lyrics of the songs were actually some of them were quite quite interesting so just you know i won't go into them but you've got the the track listing is song number one is philosophy of the world which is the album the that little sports car who are parents um, my companion and things I wonder and when you listen to them it is honest you know I mean song you know writers say they write what what they're thinking but that is all they could do and imagine what a song would sound like now in terms of the album it then got really interesting as well there's some, there's some interesting things about that so they had the father paid someone basically to print the record they were paid to press a thousand copies of the album but only 100 were delivered and the remaining 900 disappeared. One of the sisters, Dot, said that this chap who, who was paid to, to do it stole the father's money and could not be traced. Some say they disappeared with the music, but at the time, the records were valueless, so there probably would have been any reason to, to do that. Anyway, fast forward, they continued to do shows. People likened them to zombies. They were, they were ridiculed, but... Kind of what I want to say is in recent years, and when I say recent, we're still looking at maybe 20, 30 years, it feels like there's been a shift to to this whole kind of music. Now, I alluded to it at the start, Kurt Cobain named The Shags his favourite band. Mm, yeah, The album was re-released in 1999. In that year, The New Yorker ran a profile on The Shags, and apparently then Tom Cruise optioned the article for a film. 
I don't think anything has come of that, but he's a busy chap, right, with all these jumping motorbikes off mountains. So, yeah, in 2001, the label Animal World released Better Than The Beatles, which was a tribute album with covers of the Shags song. There was a stage musical in 2011. The album was re-released again in 2016. And at this point, original versions of the album were selling up to $10,000 online. And interestingly, in 2017, Dot and Betty, because I think Helen passed away in 2016, they performed a reunion show at the Sound Festival at Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art. So, and to sum them up, I think I had a summary here. The Shags gained attention for their unique and unconventional musical style, and it was characterized by offbeat rhythms. Now, it is, it's like you said, if you listen to it, there's an awkwardness. It is almost like if you gave people instruments for the first time and said, play. But I think ultimately that's, that is what happened. This to me was the genesis of this, this idea because it's an unusual act in both how they sound, but also how they were formed that the dad, you know, had, was told this vision that he was going to have. But I think it's, it's a shame that it's getting this kind of recognition in the later years. And it's a shame that, you know, so they've gone through the whole roller coaster of being ridiculed at the start to a lot of bands, a lot of artists now actually saying that there is that almost like a beautiful naivety to what they've done. Yeah. I mean, and one thing we consider in this is when they first, when they first started performing, their story wasn't told. Um, I, I doubt the public knew the background. They didn't know exactly everything that contributed to their home life. Now their story, they're speaking, um, they spoke throughout the years, um, their story is being told. And this is the part of humanity that I love is really backing um, not just the artist, but the story and really supporting their attempts um, on something that was out of their control. And I think you know me well now that one of my biggest soft spots is child exploitation. When I hear stories like that, and I would hope a lot of the public and the public has shown that, that this hits a soft spot and it should for everybody. When you take a father figure, a man of authority, and exploit children for his own financial benefit, and these kids at the time, they have no choice. And it makes it even worse other than the abuse, which is awful, but to take music, something that's supposed to be comforting, something that's supposed to help us soothe, um, something that we get enjoyment out of. And it amazes me this didn't ruin music for them for the rest of their life. You have that really traumatic experience. And what I loved is them getting back up on stage for that special concert. I love the attempt of that. Um, It shows a real strength in these women um, to overcome and still have a like for what they do. Absolutely. And like I said, I think that's it. I think, you know, I just want more people to hear this story because like, like I, I couldn't put it better what you said, because once I heard it, I think it's astonishing what they've done. Like, you know, and, and when you see it online, people do, you know, there have been, and I'm, I'm doing the air quotes for you to see, you know, reviewers calling it one of the worst albums ever recorded. But you, you're, you're listening to three women well girls at the time let's not you know they, they were they yeah. were they were children being asked to do something for which they've got no frame of reference and to, to make the dad you know a, a mogul you know a music mogul so i think the fact that they have got an album of tracks 
and yeah, they are basing it on their young lives up to that point. Yeah, I think should be applauded. And that's why now you are getting, you know, you did have people then like Frank Zappa, Kurt Cobain come out and 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 defend it. You know, like I said, mm-hmm. yes, if you listen to it, it is going to sound very odd. But just, you know, people are going to stumble across it and laugh at it, not knowing the story behind it. And people won't, won't do that. So hopefully this is kind of, uh, of given a little bit of background. And sorry, I've just seen it. So, so Helen died actually in 2006. So it was, it was fairly early on. So like you said, the fact that they then did do a couple of reunion shows, I think they did one in 99 as well. I think fair play to them for, for not letting that beat them. Yeah. And I like the previous points that we've made, but just to kind of add on, um, it just kind of hit me on an example. Um, and in no way does it take away from the uh, suffering and pain that these girls had um, growing up, but it's almost like a definition of how stories are important. And they really, they add to the artists, they add to the music, they give listeners and viewers uh, a backstory. It's kind of like almost, you know, I love musicals and I love opera. You listen to a soundtrack or a, a cast recording and your first listen before seeing the show, you're like, eh, it's okay. Then you see the show and you get context and you get an understanding of what the the lyrics mean, of what the story is. And those words, when you go back and listen to it as a uh, individual song after the show, you have a deeper respect and you actually enjoy it a lot more. Um, when you add a backstory, which I hate to say it like that because it is almost like exploitation but when people understand what you're trying to say when you don't have a voice when these girls originally performed there's a bigger meaning to it when your kids performing you don't have that voice you don't have the option to tell your story and i think that's the visual is the most important piece of that other than the girl's strength so they have strength across the board when it comes to telling their story and their bravery for their musical performances. And like I said, I, I'm not doing it justice in, in talking about it for 15 minutes. You, you know, if, if you are interested, have a look. So they are the Shags. The, the album is called Philosophy of the World, which I actually think is a great title for an album. And, and as, as, as I said, all, all I'd ask is when you, you know, when you do listen to it, just bear in mind, yeah, the, the background to where that music come from, because yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know if that music was too early or or, or early enough because you know we have all sorts of experimental music now, right? And there 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 are music genres now, you know, like the death metal, the real hardcore metal that people don't like and say isn't, you know, and and you know even in my my frame of reference, my childhood, you know, the whole rave music and electronic music, uh, uh, people don't get stuff straight away. Just have an open mind where if if you do listen to it. I I put my limit at death metal, Dan, just so you know. That's that's my limit. That's that's <laughs> what you're gonna sing afterwards, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it my turn, Dan? Yes, it's over to you. Over to you. This is gonna be a really awkward transition, but I think it'll lighten things up a little bit. So, Dan, have you heard of Mr. Bungle? No, we had a children's TV show over here where there was a character called Bungle, but I've not heard of Mr. Bungle, no. Well, this band was probably based on that t- that character in that TV show. But at the same time, it was also a character named Mr. Bungle on a porn about a girl named Sharon. 
It's called Sharon's Sex Party. But I'll let you decide where this band decided to really get their name off of. But Sorry, I was just thinking, did he say porn? Did he say porn? And I was like, no, he didn't. I've misheard that. Then, oh, no, no Dan, I said porn. Yeah, no, I said porn. Yeah, he said porn. Porn, okay. porn. Yep. yep, the explicit flag. Okay, I've got to mark this <laughs> one. <laughs> so, Dan, I was going to read you the lyrics of this ca- this classical ballad of the Mungles. Are you ready for this? I'm more than ready. Hit me. So I picked a song specifically for you. I decided to read a sample from the classic album and the classic song of Squeeze My Macaroni. Hostess, ding dong, wrapped an egg roll around my wong. While Dolly Madison proceeded to ping my pong. Your Milky Way is mm -mm, in your britches. And I'll tell you, baby Ruth, it looks mighty delicious. Keeping, keep blowing my gum, cause here I come. I'm gonna get you all sticky with my bubble yum. Yep. Nick knack paddywhack and give your dog a bone, baby. Nick knack paddywhack and give your dog a bone, baby. So the trailer, <laughs> right? Snip that. That's the trailer. <laughs> so Dan, this one again got me hooked. The first song I listened to before I get into it was the lyrics of the song I just read to you, which is Squeeze My Macaroni. And it's not the lyrics that hooked me because it took me a couple listens to actually grasp the lyrics. But this band is so unique and I cannot stop listening to it. When we were texting last night, I was listening to this band probably, I think I was going on an hour and I didn't stop till about probably about 4 a.m. So I'm just looking them up. I'm just looking them up now as you're talking. Yeah. They have a big history. I'm not going to go over it. Their complete history because they've had band members go in and out over the years. They are still touring to this day. They just had, oh, I just missed it. In Seattle, they were just at the show box back in May. Really? And I wish I would have known this, but they started back in 1985 in high school. And again, they got their name off of a children's TV show and also another type of film that I've already mentioned, and I won't say it again. <laughs> but they were re- they released their first album in 87 called Bowel of Chili that only local radio stations covered. And back in the early 2000s, it was a big bootleg tape. And then in 1997, it became one of the biggest bootleg CDs. And right, what makes them so unique is that they take all these genres of music and they shove it into one song. It's either jazz, heavy metal, scat, whatever, and funk. They have a lot of great funk beats in their music, and it's never all the same. And you can tell, this is to my point with Miss Miller, they are having fun because you can tell during some of the tracks, if things get a little like slow or beat, you'll have just a random like fart noise or you'll have circus tones and, or you'll just have random noise or conversations. They do what they want when it comes to their albums. And when it comes to their performances, their costumes are usually never the same. It's either masks, outfits, uh, uniform body suits. They have a lot of fun with that. But when it comes to so much chaos in a band, this is where you get a lot of conflict. Over the years, you do have a lot of members that have come in and out, 
They've had a lot of people come in from famous bands. They've had a lot of people exit the bands. They've never had a real consistent band up until this last run. And this is the run that we're actually seeing right now when they're touring in 2023. So now, right now, they are, from what I read, they do have uh, more songs in the works, but some of their more popular songs, and you will appreciate this, I'm sure, is other than Squeeze My Macaroni, you have Egg, My Ass Is On Fire, The Girls A Porn, Love Is A Fist, Anarchy Up Your Anus, Spreading Your Thighs Of Death. Just hearing you say that is just amazing. Yeah, because I'm, <laughs> I'm just having a look at them. They had a 19-year break, so it looks like they were yeah active between 1985 to 2000 and then didn't start again till around 2020. So as you said, they are active now. What I like, I'm just looking at them, is the logo is the Warner Brothers logo, but upside down. <laughs> I've done, yep. I think that's, that's quite cool. Yeah, I've, I've not heard of them. So they are, what's the word? They are a genuine, like a serious band, right? It's just that yep. their subject matter is the off the wall. Yeah, it's completely bonkers. The <laughs> lyrics, because while I was listening, I was reading the lyrics, right? Their lyrics are complete, just bizarre. But the amount of funk and jazz and heavy metal they put into each song, it is almost impossible not to listen through. It's one of those where... Like we talk about the five seconds, you have a pretty interesting beat to it. But once they get into the lyrics, you just kind of mouth WTF to yourself. But then you're just hooked. I'm not a huge metal guy, as you know, but the way they take all these genres and make something for everyone, um, if you can get past the dirty lyrics, it's engaging. I was walking around that my downstairs just listening to it, and I was having a lot of fun with their music. Your your uh, your playlist is going to be unusual for a couple of weeks now, isn't it? <laughs> I had to turn off Brooklyn sharing my playlist just to add this one. <laughs> yeah, I've just seen a couple of things. I saw that they had, um, yeah, apparently they had a long running feud for a while with Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. And what's this? I saw. Yeah, so yeah, I I'll be honest, I'm not I'm not a metal fan. I've just never really got into it. But yeah, apparently Corn have utilised what they have dubbed the Mister Bungle chord a flat fifth chord or tritone, they have now established themselves in, you know, modern culture or pop culture outside of their own entity. Yeah. Well, and they're gaining, they've gained a good cult following over the years. And again, back in 1985 till now, I mean, they're still not well known, but what, even though taking the 19 year break, they still have a decent following. It's like one of those where, if I would have known back when I was young, I would be listening to these guys. But this is one of those undiscovered gems that's just so ridiculous. It's almost it almost sits like a parody of music, but they're really good at the arranging the music and integrating all these genres into each an individual song. As musicians, they're absolutely brilliant when it comes to arranging. Yeah, I mean they're. Most recent album, 2020, The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny demo, reached number 30 in the US, six in Australia, and, well, 53 in the UK, but, yeah, we're probably uh, not ready for them. But, yeah, so, yeah, (laughs) no, fair play. Yeah, yeah, fair play. And another one I had never heard of before either, yeah, yeah. Dan, when we get off, you have to look up both the Mrs. and the Mr. Yeah, this one I'll do probably in incognito mode, I think, it sounds like (laughs) so. 
my next one is going to be i think a fairly quick story but it's again i'm, I'm going to say is one i've not heard of before is a guy called jandek are you aware of jandek j-a-n-d-e-k this one i'm not this one well i'm, I'm not surprised you're not is what i like about this is a really mysterious story in the sense of it jandek is a musical alias of someone in well they believe is from texas is an american singer called sterling smith now all we know is since 1978 jandek has now he's created his own um record label called Corward industries he has independently released actually no what this says here is over 45 albums but if you look at the website I think I counted last night, it's got 171 records you could potentially buy. All people knew is this this guy was just putting out records after records and records. Now, again, they are slightly strange. They are, as described here, as highly idiosyncratic, frequently a tonal form of folk and blues music using an open and unconventional chord structure. All music has described him as the most enigmatic figure in American music. So... Yeah, he's he's released a multitude of records. Now, what what they're saying is they don't know how many records exactly he's released because people don't know if he's released it under a different name. He's, he's used multiple huh. guises. All that is known about him, though, is that he's come from Texas, was born in 1945. He wrote seven novels as a young man before burning all of them the moment they were rejected by a New York publisher. Uh, journalists can't reach him. This like this bit isn't strictly true, and I'll explain shortly. But he never ultimately they said he never performs, and the only tangible knowledge we have of his existence was the recurrent river of releases. Now, when I say he very rarely performs, I think in recent years he has started to. Now, what happened was in two thousand and four. So, uh, sorry, there was a three-year gap from his 1978 debut, and then the albums came out two or three records a year until 2004, when something remarkable happens. So in Glasgow, Scotland, there was a music festival. An unidentified act randomly appears on side, uh, alongside some other local musicians. Now, at first, it was described as a representative from Corwood Industries, but then it subsequently was said to be him because it looked like the image on a lot of the album covers so he just appears out of nowhere the performance was not announced in advance or even acknowledged by the festival organizers afterwards but as i say they clearly the man clearly was him so again it's the um the the description i've got here and i think this is from far out magazine if i remember correctly it said all of it sounds oddly horrible and oddly in this instance is a more operative word than horrible Indeed, there are glimpses of beauty in Jandek's music that strangely obfuscates the whole picture. It's a bit like listening to Nick Drake while being lobotomized. Vital parts wow. of your brain go awry and twists the sweet music into something torturous. So I think what they're ultimately saying is there are absolute flashes of beauty in the music. It's, it's about going through the whole piece of work in its entirety. Now, I did have a look. You can go to the Corwood Industries uh, website, and like I said, you can see all the all the records you can order, and you, and they still are available. So you could buy one CD for ten dollars, two disc CD for fourteen dollars, DVD for eighteen, a box set for twenty two, and you could buy twenty or more any mixed at fifty percent discount. So the music is still constantly coming out. So so literally, that's all I have on him. It is quite 
the couple of the the songs I heard are quite haunting, and it's like him with a low voice. It's just unusual, is all I can say. Yeah. So he's like the Batman of musicians. Yeah, he kind he kind of is. I love the fact that he's clearly not doing it for fame yeah. or the the attention. He's he obviously believes that in in himself and what he's doing so much so you know he's he's set up his own you know he set up his own record label and own own website well he's like playing hard to get with his uh audience you take all these uh artists that try and make it then you had this guy that's just standing back just saying uh you know what maybe maybe so but you said it was a blues undertone now i haven't listened to him so is part of that haunting integration and part of that loomy uh, feel due to the blues integration, or is that mostly because of the lyrics? I think it's more, because I'll be honest, I just listened to some brief snippets, and it is, I think it is the, the feel of the music and also his voice, the way, you know, the way he sings mm. it, that, you know, and, and, and maybe that those were the, the kind of the, the songs I picked just happened to be in that vibe, but it, it it does feel to me that that is what his that that's what his style is. It's interesting now, though, that he is starting to to appear a, a little bit more. So there there are pictures of him, but yeah, like I said, yeah, check him out. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't have any scheduled appearances. He just kind of shows up when he wants, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Because if you go to yeah, I said it's called Industries. If you go to events, he has actually done something this year so in may to may 23 he was in lafayette in louisiana but i think it i think it's it's so there is a a slot listing upcoming events what's interesting though is in past events it says he performed he performs so i it's almost Mm. like i i'm guessing that you don't get much notice but yeah, in 2023 uh, sorry march he was in fayetteville in arkansas Arkansas, Arkansas, um, and he's yeah he's done a one-off play. So there's nothing currently under upcoming events. So it's possibly something to to keep an eye yeah to keep an eye out for. But yeah, it's um it's quite enigmatic. And yeah, so just if on one of those events, if I click um click here for ticketing, it just says he's independently released over 115 albums and DVDs of unusual often emotionally dissolute folk rock and blues songs and um, without ever granting an interview or biographical information so i, I love that i, I wow. love the fact that this guy is doing his thing he's he's obviously got a market there because it's a decent website when you look at it with you know including offers and discounts it's a fair play to him well yeah i mean based on what you're describing i mean what really shocked me was the writing of the novels i mean the younger years of him is intriguing to me because he just kind of screams like an extreme introvert of really putting his mind to himself and his music and not really caring about the publicity, all, all that jazz or scheduled concerts. That's not his gig. He, this is a pure definition of a true artist focused on the work and the artistic style um, from his, it sounds like from his younger years of writing to now uh, composing. So I, I think that's, Interesting. That would be almost an interesting documentary if anybody can get their hands on him. Yeah, there is also he. So he does have one book online, and yeah, it's something I possibly did read about. It is is this persona, this mystery, was it caused by the rejection of those? You know, because he burnt those books. So is oh. it that he? 
does it feel like is it a case that he doesn't want to put himself out there and so he's created this persona because then you can't judge someone that you don't know that makes sense yeah, maybe I'm putting. I, I'm. I hope I'm explaining that correctly. But yeah, if if you don't know who someone is, it's got to be judged purely then on, on the music, and then it doesn't matter what they say because it's not attributed to his name. I think that's a great point, um, especially when. Can you imagine writing seven novels and getting turned down every single time in your younger years? I mean, when you put it that way, I think that's an excellent point. That that probably was a pivotal moment in the way he treats his uh, work um, in the future um, or what he has done. Excuse me. That's intriguing. Yeah, there is a contact. There is a contact address on there. So maybe we should uh, reach out. That's uh, that's Mr. Jandek or Jandek. Sorry. <laughs> that w- I love that one. That one's interesting. I, I like how you put that in because it's different than everything else we've kind of put in here um, or everything else we're used to when it comes to musicians um it's very unique thank you yeah yeah the mystery the mystery person over to you do you have another one um i kind of so the next one um i kind of have just a couple honorable mentions if this um because i couldn't decide because i wanted to go with the mr and mrs theme and then the unknown but then there's a couple that i just have to mention that i found somewhat interesting and you uh butt in if you've heard of these is Compressor head. Have you heard of compressor head? No. <laughs> this one is kind of cool. And this one's more recent. Um, so this one, I believe, was from 2013. It's a band made up of all robots. I'm interested. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> if you Google pictures of compressor head, it is weird, but it's intriguing at the same time because all they are are robots and all they do is play covers of like Metallica, ACDC. And what I love about the videos of these guys, I've just seen it. Sorry. Yeah. That's amazing. Is, is when you watch the video, they headbang while they're playing, they get into their music and they're completely artificial. It is a complete wonder um, on these. Now there was a GoFundMe recently to hire a new band member, or I'm sorry, build a a (laughs) new band member to do vocals. But unfortunately, and sadly, this one I'm kind of disappointed in, they didn't make their funding. But even without the vocals, I think it's a really cool video. I'll just say, I'm absolutely checking this out when we start recording. This looks amazing. I I love this. The members, Mega Watson, Fingers, (laughs) Bones, and, and the drama is called Stick Boy, which I think is brilliant. <laughs> well, what's cool oh, about fantastic. Stick Boy is that he has four arms. Oh, he, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. He goes ballistic on these drums, and it is a sight to see. He is the most entertaining piece of that band where he just goes just total bonkers on the drums during these cover numbers. This is, this is, this is brilliant. This is. Um, yeah, because there's a picture at, a, at some sort of gig with crowd. <laughs> yeah, I think they should bring up the GoFundMe again and try for this vocal. I am absolutely curious on how this would work. Enough pictures, singers in cowboy boots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 2013 to present. I, I, this how how have I not do I not know about this? You 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 blow my mind here. This is this is brilliant. 
Well, I tried to look on uh, song listings and it was actually harder to find because I think I just started with an image and I just it just piqued my curiosity. And then going down the uh, Google path, um, I found some songs and they're actually really good. It sounds fantastic. And you listen to it and you almost feel a certain passion out of these robots more so than you get the artist. They just totally get into it and they're artificial yet again. I'll just, I'll just go with this big grin on my face because I'm looking at um, pictures now and yeah, there's pictures of with like the, the, the dry ice, you know, the smoke and, and they're in proper rock poses. You know, there's one, the, the guy, the, I say the guy, the, the robot's holding the microphone up. He's looking up, he's proper growling into it, it looks like. And uh, it's, Well, you talk about this. crowd pleasing. Imagine watching those for a couple hours. I think it would be fantastic. Yeah, there's a, there's, I'm just, sorry, I'm just seeing one here. They're, they're at a gig. They've got there's like thousands of people in the crowd. Just watching machines. It's amazing. I, I, I'm literally, I am definitely, um, here we go. Fingers in 2009 feature 78 fingers, two slides and seven dampers. On, on the, that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm checking this out. I'm so glad we've done this. The next show you have to do AI is taking over. Oh, you already did that with Leo, didn't you? Oh, well, we did robots with Leo, but this, if I'd have known about you this, this it. would certainly have come up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, but other than that, my other honorable mention is probably one of the more popular ones, which is David Hasselhoff. I have to mention the Hoff I've in this of, I've one. I've heard of him. I know him. I know him. <laughs> I know you have. Because between the UK, Germany, and uh, Switzerland, never got popular over here when it comes to his albums. But overseas, this man is... It was never really popular here, which, it, it, but it is Germany, which I find amazing. Germany, yeah. Yep. Yeah. What he uh, did, uh, triple platinum in Germany, I believe. Yeah, and he was—he sang at the falling of the wall as well. Have you listened to him? I've seen a couple of it. There, there's oh, what's that famous song of his where he's flying in the video? Um, oh, was it the move based Kung Fu Kung Fu Fury? Is that the? No, 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 no. There's a. I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to have a look while while you're speaking. But yeah, I've heard a couple of his songs. You know, he's he's got a decent voice. Oh, you must be thinking "Looking for Freedom." I think that might be it. Oh, may, maybe, maybe it's uh, it's a really bizarre video. That's all I know. <laughs> the, he is one of those performers that you actually have to visually see to really uh, kind of appreciate. I know I saw him in Vegas when he uh, played in the uh, show, The Producers. And uh, you get a level of just silly silliness from him when he, when he performs. But um, other than David Hasselhoff that I just have to mention... Um, I have something really quick for you, Dan. And while I was going down the rabbit hole, I did find three interesting albums that I have never heard of before. And I'm pretty sure you've probably heard of these uh, uh, superstars, I wouldn't say. You ready? Dan, did you know Miss Marvel herself, Brie Larson, came out with an album in 2005? See, I'm not sure if I knew that, but feels like... She would have, because she was in, uh, what was it, Scott Pilgrim, wasn't she? She fronted yes. the band in, is, so is it from that? Uh, I believe so. The album was called Finally Out of P.E. So you can kind of guess her age by coming up with an album surrounding yeah. school. Yeah, yeah. The next one is now in my album, and I have to say it's actually really good. It's the perfect 80s mix, and that is 
Well, let me ask. Dan, did you know Eddie Murphy released a non-comedy album in 1985? I did not know that. It was entitled How Could It Be? And it is fantastic. It brings all the 80s vibes. It it is it's a good album. He has a couple songs in there that I've actually re-listened to a few. Um, but then that comedy thing came along and his musical career came to an end. So those are my three little tidbits. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was listening. I was I just caught the video for David Hasselhoff and it's just playing in the background on my screen. It was hooked on a feeling. He did. did oh, you, that's right. That was the that was the bizarre video he did. Yeah, no, we sorry, going back to Eddie Murphy, yes, he said the comedy thing got in the way. I mean, that kind of worked out for him, though, right? Yeah, I mean, he just got a, a Lifetime Achievement Award, right? So, I mean, things worked out. I mean, who knows what would have happened if he stuck to his 80s rock, R&B kind of music. But I think he did pretty well for, him, for himself. So it's just the one just, album. Yeah. It's just the one album he did. Just the one album up until he released his comedy albums. Um, which the album in 85 uh, didn't do very well, which shocks me because I really enjoyed it. I would listen to Eddie Murphy over David Hasselhoff personally, but Brie Larson's uh, finally out of PE comes in at a respectable second. Yeah, I need to check that out. So with Eddie Murphy, though, that, I'm assuming that was, was that before like, Beverly Hills Cop and all that? I'm I'm assuming it probably was, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, because, well, Beverly Hills got 1984, so I assume, yeah, he oh, yeah. recorded the album and then, yeah, the film. Oh, these people that can can do it all right, can sing, can act, <laughs> can make you laugh. Well, you could, like, do, you could do all those. You've, you've, you've sung, you've made us laugh today. We just need to see you do a bit of acting. Oh, well, you had that, a bit of acting, didn't you, on the recent uh, Talking Swack, right? That, that's true, yes. I was when a horrible I say recent, Deadpool. It was a few... <laughs> Sorry, what was that? I was a horrible Deadpool, yes. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, yeah, look, you've, you've got it all as well. So, yeah, so I'm going to check... Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out and, and Brie Larson because, yeah, like I said, she was... Yeah, she fronted the band in, in Scott Pilgrim, so it would make sense. It reminded me of that Friday song. It's... Uh, what was it? Uh... Haley Black, I believe her name is. Oh, Rebecca, is it Rebecca? Uh, Rebecca Black. Black, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pretty all, close. all these, all these modern stars now, they do do it all, don't they? They all the actors will come out with as an album, right? Yeah, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. did a couple. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt did a couple for I. I know what you did last summer. A lot of these artists actually contribute to a lot of their uh, soundtracks. Bruce Willis. Yeah, and singers now get into it. Like Ed Sheeran was in Game of Thrones, and yeah, it feels like there's an episode here, so we should stop talking, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, thank you very much for one coming on, two giving us a lot of um, interesting stuff here, three for me giving up some of your uh, your Fourth of July, and yeah, do you want to tell people what's going on? Like, like I said, it's going out in a few weeks, but do you want to just give a give a shout out to your show and, and kind of what's currently going on in the world of the movie wire? Yeah. I mean, first off, you can check me out at the movie wire, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and letterbox at movie wire show. And a couple of things to look forward to, depending on when this show lands is we're in the middle of summer blockbusters, some good, some bad coming towards the end of the summer. We will have a lot on the show. So stay tuned for that. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. Yeah, so do check Justin's show out if you're not ready. And yeah, make sure you press subscribe. 
as you should on this one. But again, hopefully, as you're listening to it, you already have. So you can get hold of me at Casting Views on Twitter and castingviewspod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of these shows. Let us know if you want to be on the show or if you've got some idea for episodes. Justin, all that's left to say is thank you again. My pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Dan. And take it easy, everyone listening, and we'll see you next week. If I want your opinion, I will give it to you. Come on, take what we've got, cause you need it. Don't make us get a spark and force feed it. Come on, we